Welcome to today's Lots of Matza Pizza Podcast. Today we have two guests on the show. Danny Ryan from our Boys High School Hockey Podcast. He's going to help me lift up the heavyweight hockey coach of all he- hockey coaches, Lee Smith from Eden Prairie today. We're going to talk about his playing career going back to uh, Wilmer, Minnesota and his playing days at Mankato State as well as how he got into coaching and all the years of coaching at Eden Prairie High School. At the end of the show, Danny Lee and I will pick our Mount Rushmore Eden Prairie squad. We'll hear about hockey parents, uh, state tournament, recruiting, lots of dicey fun topics here with Lee. I hope you enjoy today's show. Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire How are you doing today, Lee? Good. I'm glad to have you here. Uh, Danny, how are you doing today, Danny? Good. Thanks for letting bored Danny come on the show. Yeah, he's bored, but I needed a lot of help to lift up such a big heavyweight like yourself. Lee, how you been hanging out in this uh, distance learning world? You know, it's sure crazy times. And as a teacher, being an online, doing the long distance teaching has been a good challenge and and trying to help the kids, um, but just staying at home and trying to get a little fresh air yesterday, getting out to the golf course felt good. It did. Now, what grade do you teach in Eden Prairie? I teach sixth grade uh, math and social studies. So you're pretty much, there's a lot of X's and O's to teaching those classes. So it's not a lot of gray area. You know what I mean? Some of the stuff, there's a little bit of gray area from a teaching. Is it, has you, have you found some challenges uh, teaching in this time? Yeah, I think, you know, the, these times, uh, it's a great equalizer of being an old teacher and not understanding technology as well as the young teachers. Yeah. I know the content really well and I know what I'm trying to teach and all that but trying to do it when you're not used to the technology is a really tough challenge. So what are the technologies that you have to use different than what you were using now with all the, you know, the Moodle and all those other Schoology, Schoology, all that stuff. What are the new technologies that you have to use? Are you, are you doing some YouTube stuff? Are you, are you doing zoom? Are you doing those types of things that you normally don't do? Well, we're doing something called Google Hangouts where, yep. I take uh, my kids and I meet with a groups of about eight and teach them the content for about 10 to 15 minutes. And I do that four times. I have four different groups that I work with. And then after that, through the course of the day, they email me or text me if they need help. And then I can get back on with them as the day goes on. So, you know, not having a whiteboard to be able to actually show them and, and, you know, I can lead them to good videos and some of that, but I think a lot of it's just still continuing to have the relationships with the kids and letting them know I'm okay and they're good and talking to them. I think that helps a lot. Oh, that's pretty cool to hear. And and this is obviously technology you didn't normally use, right? No. um, We do use Schoology, which is where we store everything. Right. Teaching the kids how to submit their assignments and things been – a quite a challenge and grading's a little bit different. So 
you know, there's a learning curve, but the kids have been good. The parents have been great. So I think we're doing the best we can in these times. So when you were growing up uh, as a as a student, what was what were your best subjects as, as a kid? For sure, math. My dad was a math instructor at the community college in Wilmer, so math was a pretty important thing in our home. Uh, my mom worked as a library assistant, although I didn't really love reading that much. I'm more of someone that likes to see things and learn from that visually. So you said your mom, um, your mom did she, was this at your school or, or in the public school system or at the same school your yeah, dad taught Yeah, the public it? school system. Thank goodness she wasn't in the same school I was at. <laughs> Ever? Ever? No, she was with my sister, and I still hear the horror stories of that. Uh, how many siblings do you have? Just a younger sister. That's it. Okay. Uh, and she, right. was a, she was a gopher hockey cheerleader. No oh. way. Yeah. So that was... Hockey runs through and through. And being a great mom. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's talk about hockey. How does a kid, okay, now, no offense to Wilmer, but it's right. not exactly Eden Prairie, Edina, Minnetonka, hockey rich in tradition. How did you get excited about the game? Was it a dad? Was it a, a buddy or yourself? Or how did you, and you didn't have older brothers uh, to lead right. you. How did you get involved in hockey? Well, there was no uh, support for home as far as uh, knowing hockey my dad was a wrestling coach and a football player my mom was just a good cheerleader um so it was all based on my friends uh brian nelson who was the first player ever drafted from wilmer yeah went on to play at umd great hockey player he was a good friend of mine so did a lot with him uh his older brother barry pete stonkey but we had this place called Garfield Elementary School, and we and we had this outdoor rink, and we called it the Garfield Civic. And at that time, when you were, whether you were a squirt or a high school player, everyone was allowed on that ice. And so you had to fight like heck to, to have the puck on your stick. And it was great, you know, playing against older kids. And then we also played a lot of street hockey we used to play two on two every day after school and then we were also one of the first ones that drove up to bloomington and got rollerblades out of the uh mr olson's garage yep and so we learned to play on tennis court so we played a lot of hockey but in wilmer you had to play three sports so when one season was over you just you know got your spikes off got your skates and started playing but we had a really tight group of kids. Now, Wilmer had some decent teams when you were there. I mean, again, Section 5 back then was kind of, in your era, was owned by Kennedy and Jefferson. But, you know, you guys made some made some noise. Yeah, I think our greatest game that we would ever call successful was going to the Met Center and losing to Bloomington Kennedy in the semifinals after upsetting Rosemont and excuse me roosevelt and minneapolis west right and i would say our our biggest regret was probably losing to blake in our senior year when we had a really good team and we were close we were all hoping to have a chance to play against bloomington jefferson and we didn't get that chance because we got upset there it was a really good game but they beat us blake had some nice teams in the early to mid 80s that's for sure yeah, I still hear about it from D- Dave Ramsey Dinger. <laughs> <laughs> what 
Well, oddly enough, Dinger is, his company is sponsoring today's show. Lots of Matzo Pizza is owned by the Ramsey family and his dad, Bill, and his sister, JJ. It's a, a great family and uh, really good people sponsoring it. If you need a great uh, frozen pizza, check out Lots of Matzo Pizza in your local grocer. Great right. segue. Yeah, yeah, great was, segue. You, couldn't, you couldn't have planned it better. Up. What's that, Lee? Oh, I was lucky. He he was real good friends with Brian, and so he would spend a lot of time out at Spicer during the summers when he was growing up, so we got to be really good friends. It's funny that you call him Dave. I called him Dave, too. I thought he was Dave my whole life, and then now that I meet him in a business setting, he goes by Chris, so he's got two yeah. names. You know, Wouldn't it be great if he could have, especially with you, you know, being Lee Smith, the uh, closer of the, uh, the Chicago Cubs, you could have used a, a, a second first name, couldn't you, at some points in your life? No question, all the names I get called. Uh, it'd be nice to have maybe another name. Okay, Tony Scott. All right, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, I got a, I got a different last name, that's for sure. All right, uh, let's go through. You talk about your dad being a wrestling coach. That's going to be good. We're going to get to that in a second. Uh, so after high school, you go to Mankato. Um, right. Walk through playing at Mankato. The type of hockey it was, it was Division Two. There was very little Division Two hockey. What was Division? Tell me about Division Two hockey. Well, the the great thing was the rivalries we had because a lot of the players that would go there were players that started at Division One schools and would, would trickle cut okay. it, and so they would drop back. And so, you know, we had huge rivalries with Bemidji State and Saint Cloud State. Uh, Gustavus at that time, yep. St. Thomas. So we had really good rivalries. Um, the hockey was very competitive. You know, um, I just remember the fact that, you know, was, you had great friends, great people that you played with. You got to go on and, you know, like Sarah Torrey up at Bemidji State, you know, we used to play against him on the weekend and then, for some reason, Bemidji would leave him back and he would stay around for the weekend and we'd have fun with him. And there was just a lot of good, good guys, good hockey people, you know, and in fact, you know, in, even in our Hill Murray game this year, the, the, the mountain, you know, his, yep. his dad was a line mate of mine. And so Matt mountain. Yep. And so there's a lot of guys that you see that you grew up with, you run into at the rink, uh, Terry Hughes, you know, up in the Centennial yes. area. So there's there's still a lot of guys that are involved with hockey that, you know, came out of the Division Two era. Who was your coach at Mankato? Uh, Don Bros. Okay. And Don was... Uh, he was there forever, wasn't top he? old coach. You know, he, he was ahead of his time as far as the off-ice stuff. You know, there isn't a lot of the things that we did in practice that I incorporate what, what we do now. But I think that he taught a lot of with discipline and he had really high expectations. And got, the only thing I didn't like about playing for him was the mind games. Or was, you're in and out of the lineup a little bit more really? than we do nowadays. I think we try to coach our guys up, but. You know, he had really was a good recruiter and, and would bring in good talent. And he expected you to perform or otherwise you were in and out of the lineup. Interesting. That's interesting. Uh, okay. So after college, uh, you student taught. Uh, I, I don't know if you student taught, but I know you taught or coached with Tom Satterdahl at Jefferson. 
Walk through what you learned from he and and John Bianchi while while under that with them for a year. Well, first of all, that was probably the best decision I ever made. Was I wanted to get to the cities, and so I picked this. Uh, I picked Bloomington to do my student coaching and teaching. And when I got up there, uh, my goal was to to coach with the football program first. And so I started with Stan Shea, who was a just a great mentor, a great yeah. man, unbelievable person. And so I, I started with him, and through him I met uh, John and Tom Satterdalen, and those guys were able to bring me on that year and to what handle a team and, again, you know, create a, a winning culture was one of the things that I learned a lot about from watching them and having high expectations and making kids compete Um you know, and there was a lot of talent there and, and how they utilize their talent. So I learned a lot from them. And, you know, Bianchi was just great about, uh, you know, keeping the atmosphere light. He was very funny, had good jokes. <laughs> and even though he was an assistant coach, you could see the, the importance that he brought to that staff. Was, the, was this the year 88, 89 when they won state? No. That no. You, when did you teach there? When did you, what was your year there? What season? Um, well, I was there, 80, I was there uh, that year. I'm trying to think. Uh, so they won in 87, I thought? No, 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 no. Kennedy won in 87. 90. 88, 89, they won state. And yeah. That's that, right around when you would have been. Tony's maybe you were there 87, 88. I don't know what year you were there. Right. Yeah, we didn't win state that year, but I just. You know, I was part of I was part of you know practices and things like that. So it was an unreal experience. So at some point uh, after after college, um, you get your first opportunity. Walk through the first opportunity to coach, and who who you who you got to coach with. It's kind of a great story. Well, I was my high school coach, Wayne Eklund had just taken the Eden Prairie job and I was, I mean, you can't make this by. up. Can you, I mean, this is just unbelievable. Right. So I'm student teaching in, in Bloomington and I get the call that he would like me to come in. And I was almost shocked that he had that opportunity. And so when I heard that, I jumped on it because all I was doing was my student teaching. I didn't have a job. So it gave me an opportunity to work with kids and coach, which I love doing. And so I was his assistant that year. And as an assistant, I would have to do, uh, I would do phone calls, do bed checks yep. and uh, before a Saturday game. And I was able to meet my first boss, which was Bob Hallett, who was a principal uh, by, I, I would always call and he would hold me on the line. I think he was waiting for his son to get back into the house. And so we would talk and luckily enough, I got an op opportunity to have an interview with him. And then I got the, so he happened. The, uh, so it just job. so happened. I mean, uh, talk, talk about fate, right? So Hallett's son is on the team and he happens to be an administrator in the Eden Prairie school system. Is that how it works? Exactly. Right. Oh, that's good fortune. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. 
And so from there, I, I, after that, I was a school teacher my first year as 89-90, and, and I was not able to be with the varsity anymore. I had to do the JV because of the hours and practice times. And so I spent four years learning how to, you know, run my own squad. And that was good experience. I think being a JV coach is very valuable for uh, any coach um, because you got change your lineups, you know, with players coming up and players getting sick. And, and so I think it was a good experience there. And then the job at Eden Prairie became open and I had a good conversation with the athletic director and, and asked him, you know, if it would be possible to have a chance, even though I hadn't been a head coach. And I had a good, pretty good support behind me with the parents. And I think that was one of the main reasons. Also, uh, having Tom Satterdahl in, on, in your corner was very helpful in helping me get that job. So you get the job uh, at Eden Prairie, your first season, 93-94, correct? Correct. So the I got to think you're in some form of the late conference and you're 27 years old. I got to think like Osiki's still there. Uh, you got some legends you, you're dealing with here. Um, did you feel like you were at a card game and you had a really bad hand at this point? No question about it. I walked into the fall coaches meeting and in that meeting was Tom Satterdahlen, Tom Osiki. Jerry Peterson, uh, Larry Hendrickson, Mike Thomas, Bruce Johnson, to name some of the guys that were there at that time. Uh, Bart Larson was there at hey, Dinah. Dinah. So, so I walked in there and pretty much was uh, a quiet little mouse in the corner in awe of all these legends. Yeah, but little did they know, right? Little did they know that you had – you know, a very burgeoning western suburbs with homes being built by the hundreds at this point where it was, you you knew that you were sitting on some pretty prime soil, didn't you? Well, we felt like we were going to have the numbers coming and it was our opportunity to try to develop, you know, take the program from being a solid program to an elite program. And that was always the goal when I took over was to make us a force each year and not just, uh, not just, you know, when you had a certain class come through, but to actually be good all the time and someone that people looked up to. And, and so that was the, the biggest thing we lacked in Eden Prairie at that time was the ability to skate and handle a puck at the speed needed to, to compete with the Jeffersons, the Burnsvilles, Apple Valleys at that time. I, I, you guys got uh, St. Michael added to your um, uh, schedule this year in the late conference. Do you see a little similarities to when you were in 1993-94? Do you watch a St. Michael program? It's got all these numbers and a brand new rink. I mean, there's a little bit of similarity there. Do you see it? 100%. They, uh, they have a, a strong sporting community and just like Eden Prairie, I think a lot of families are moving there because of their sports and a good school system. And so they're going to be for sure a power to be reckoned with. They already are, but down the road, even 
to a higher extent. There's no question. Everybody everybody knows it. You can kind of feel it coming here in the next five years. And I think kind of Yuri Dinas and Minnetonkas could kind of feel you guys coming. Uh, It's just a matter of time. All right, so let's fast forward. Yeah, I think they still thought of this a little bit as farmland out here. (laughs) Yeah. It's a beautiful place to live, but and they didn't really respect us as a hockey community quite yet, but it didn't take us long to, to get to where we are at least noticed. Right. Well, fast forward four years, you play in one of, if you look at all your losses and, and wins, your big moments, one of them has to come in 1998. You have a section final where you lose in six overtimes. Walk through that game. Well, it's, you know, it's uh, an epic battle between Edina and Eden Prairie. Uh, the game's going back and forth, and there was opportunities both ways. We hit a we hit a crossbar, puck goes out. Uh, they come in on a two-on-one, and we get a great save. And Joey Krumpetich, who's our JV coach, he's got a concussion, and at this time he, in – sports he would have been ruled out but at those days you just kind of threw him back in there um and he had he splits the 2d and somewhat gets tackled and they're not going to call a penalty at that time and the puck goes in the corner and they transition it and uh they come up the rink and and they put the shot on net and hankinson makes a great uh move to get to the rebound and chips it over our goalie and 99 minutes later was one of the wow. most epic games ever. Wow, that's incredible. That's incredible. And it was gut-wrenching because that was such a great group of kids that worked so hard and were so close at that at that time. Yeah, those are always hard, the overtime losses in a, in a section final. You've been on both sides of that, and it's, it's never easy. Right. Uh, so 99, uh, Eden Prairie uh, gets you to your first ever state tournament. Um, uh, we talked a little bit about this. There's a lot of firsts for you as a coach. Uh, you had been to the state tournament with EP back in the early 90s, but there's a lot. Of, walk through what it's like to be the first, the first, the hotels, the tickets, and all those things that go with it. Well, uh, you're so excited about the opportunity to go to the state tournament. And then the realization comes that there's a lot of work for the coaching staff to prepare for it away from the rink, the the hockey parts, the easiest part, you just get your team ready, but you don't know that there's lodging and buses and meal preparation and, and banquet and, and the banquet and which are all great things, but the first time you get there, you kind of are overwhelmed with all of the responsibilities that are thrown on you to make that such a great spectacle. And so I think that the hockey part kind of got, you know, didn't get lost, but it, it for sure was distracted a little bit by all the other things that we needed to do. And so we go to the tournament and we, play a great Holy Angels team coached by Greg Treble. And that was and their first lose. trip too, I think. Yeah, I believe you're right. And it was a hard loss, believe me, because, you know, we had a good team. But uh, 
that was at Target Center, not even at the X. So, you know, not many people have played in that in the Target Center, and we're one of them that did. Yeah, that was a weird couple of years, that's for sure. I think it was two years that they played there. It was bizarre. I think it was more than was, that. Oh, I don't even want to relive it. It was it bad. Clear boards and everything. No, there was no clear boards. Oh, yeah, no you're right. Boards. Yeah, it was just weird. That was weird. All right, so now so you go one after. Thing, oh, go ahead. One thing going back to um, the 98 year, the probably the, one of the greatest things that happened was, you know, you're pretty, that was my third section final that we had lost. And I was pretty down. And I got a phone call at school the next day from Tom Satterdown, and he said, you know, Lee, I, w- I just want you to know that I lost my first three section finals too. So hang in there; it'll get better. You'll it, it'll happen for you. Just stay the course. Lee, talk a little bit about the coaching fraternity that is high school hockey. I, I mean, uh, do you guys talk about you know like when first time coaches make it to the tournament, do you give them a call or shoot them a text and stuff like that? You know, I've tried to get better at doing that as I've gotten older. At first, you know, I, I didn't look at it like that was something I needed to be doing. But as it's as it's been going on, and I found that it's pretty important for me to make sure that I reach out to the to the different uh, schools that get there and the and the coaches because you know it's it is such a big deal. And I also try to reach out to the coaches that lose and in, in tough ways because you know i i have i've been through you know the 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 victories the the greatness of the victories and then the 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 downs and the 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 disappointments of the losses so i've i've for sure had both sides of the you know the coin as far as the way it goes if there was a uh you know you're an expert at teaching sixth grade math and uh social studies but i think you could also give a course on tough losses you know and and winning yeah. as well right i mean some of your losses here are gut-wrenching we're gonna get to one here where you get to the uh in in 2000 another section final loss to edina where it was four overtimes now right and Again, that was one of our best teams for sure on paper. And not only that, but just the way that they had played all year long, uh, pretty much blew through the, the late conference and were, you know, in the top five all year long. And, you know, Elk River was upset the night before and looked like we were going to be the number one team. And we got into that game and, we actually played a great game. You know, sometimes you have a bad night, but we played a great game. We just, we had a penalty and we, we had a puck that was by our bench and one of our top players accidentally high sticks it and draws the face off into our zone with four seconds left. And they win the draw and, and Atherton, PJ Atherton, who I had coached in the, HP stuff that the the spring before great kid takes a bomb and scores and next thing we're in it you know we're fighting for our life to try to get to the state tournament when we look like we're going to be there oh, those are hard very ones. disappointing 
So you make it to state the next year and another really gut-wrenching loss. I mean, we're going get, to get, kind of get some of these gut-wrenching <laughs> out of the way because we've got some pretty good ones wins coming up here. Um, you lose the Greenway in a kind of a, a fluky kind of way right at the end of the game. Yeah, we had, this was a team that lost Garrett Smogard. It was going to be the Smogard and Erickson show that year, and Garrett Smogard got hurt right at the end of the prep bowl on a kickoff return, and he had to have his ACL fixed. And so with that, we lost him, and we did, it took us a long time to be able to create a lineup that could score. And we had some tough losses during the year, but all of a sudden we seemed to find it in February, and we got to the state tournament on a roll, and we weren't ranked, but we were playing really well. And Greenway was the number two team all year long. They were they were a fantastic team, and we had them beat with six seconds left. The puck goes into the neutral zone, and I look up at the clock, and I'm thinking, we're going to be in the semifinals. We're going to get our first win at the state tournament. And the puck's pounded in or on the boards, and our goalie goes to – to stop it and he stops it but in coming back to the front of the net the puck comes with him and they are able to tap it in and uh and so then we lost it Gino Geyer had a great goal in overtime to to lose and that was a really tough loss just because we played so well in that game yeah, I can only imagine that. Um, you make it to state in 03, uh, losing the semis on Friday night. And from that point on, you don't make it back to the state tournament until 2009. We're going to, I'm going to keep some good, I want to keep some good vibes here too, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. you, that's the year you have 10 sophomores. What were you thinking when you took 10 sophomores? Were they impossible to cut or were the juniors and senior classes just so weak? Well, actually, the 2018 we had a good year, and we we um, we really gave it a good shot. We lost to uh, I believe Benilde in overtime that year, and this Bantam crew was coming in, and we really had a lot of you know respect for them and knew that they were winners, and so we kind of took them into our summer program and we, we watched them and we watched them compete against the seniors and they didn't back down and they kept getting better and better. And we felt really good about the fact that they could come in and give us a chance to win right away. And, and they did also with the fact that we had Nick Letty who decided to stay in high school, which was probably the, you know, the biggest thing was to have, your superstar, you know, stay in town and play and lead the way for the rest of the kids. It was pretty special. Did they look up to him or were they, did they consider themselves equals to him or did everybody look up to him? Well, I think everyone looked up to Nick just because of his work ethic. Nick was the kind of kid that would have a great game and he'd still come into the coach's room and ask, is there anything that I can do to get better? He was very, driven to keep continue to improve his game but i think there was a mutual respect with you know kyle Rao was a really good leader of that group and so i think you know the the leader of the senior group was was nick letty but there was some other guys that were really good uh mike erickson uh mcquillan uh 
Jordan Matson and Jordan Hoffman and Matson Gravel. So we had the seniors that we kept were really good role guys, along with Nick Letty, who was a superstar. And then the young guys were kind of just such good players and kind of naive to the fact that there was any pressure on them. Right. They just they just believed that they could win no matter what. They didn't really worry about what age they were. Right. And so and so they just uh you know, unbelievable group. And that year we had Hill Murray who was the defending champs in our first round and we kind of preached all week that to be the champs you had to beat the champs and so you know, we beat them in overtime there at the state tournament on a goal that was reviewed. And I'll tell you, that was probably the longest two, three minutes of my life waiting to hear that review call. And when they said it was a goal and we got to move on, it was very exciting. Was that the year that Hill cut like half their team too? And then they, do you remember that year, Lee? Yeah. I, yeah, I, I believe it was. And, and they were, you know, they, they were just uh, they, typical hills. Yeah, you know, Lechner had them flying around, and and a great team played really structured, and uh, somehow we were able to beat them three two, which was a huge win. Yeah, Tony, I don't know if you remember this, but they had like an off season or off ice issue. Right. Let's say. And so they had to cut half their team. And so then they took a nosedive because of that, because they cut right. some of their best players. But then they found themselves late in the season. Typical Lechner, right? Yep. And then they almost took down Eden Prairie in that game. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. Where were we? We still in 2000. Nine. That was nine, right? Yes. And so, so, you, so you win the state championship. Um, it, what does that feel like for you at, at that time? What's your memory of the, the feeling that night? Well, I think the biggest thing there was the fact that finally everything came together and all the, all the years and all the hard losses and fun wins and great kids and stuff. Now that now everyone that played for Eden Prairie could say that their school is a champion in hockey. And I think that meant a lot to the whole community and to all the alumni, along with the guys that were in that locker room, and there's a lot of there's a lot of volunteers pumping in a lot of hours to get that first state championship that kind of go unnoticed. Do you remember some some key people in the association? Because you've been there since '91, so this is it wasn't like a fly by night organization. I mean, this is a lot of years before you got there. Who are some of those key components to the the foundation of Eden Prairie Hockey? Well, Tom Hendricks, Chris Lacombe, mm-hmm. Tom Gertis, Steve Orth, uh, Jim Fernholtz, all of those are key coaches at that bunch time. Of, they're a bunch of knuckleheads off the <laughs> ice, but on the, at the rink, they're great. Right. No question about it. You know, um, Brad Hewitt, uh, Troy Zangs, Chris Bukowiak, uh Corey Townsend, some of the great president. They're all you're listing off all the presidents. Yeah, those they were some really key people in allowing us to to do what we do. 
Oh, that's a, that's a good testament there. So so you get to 2009, 2010, you go back and you have another uh, section final loss. I mean, I can't, you have as many section final losses as you do wins. It's crazy. Uh, that was a year, uh, Minnetonka's big year, right? So that was the year they made it to the state final. That's probably one of the best teams that didn't win a state title, that yeah. Minnetonka yeah. 09, uh, 2010 team, don't you think, Lee? Yeah, there was um, there was a situation there where, the game was really close and it, it turned out to be lopsided, but we, um, we have a power play with, I don't know, I want to say five or six minutes left and we try to pull our goalie cause we're two down and we don't score and they get a shorthander. And then, you know, we lose that game and at the target center and it was very, you know, it was a very humbling experience for, for all of us. Cause none of us thought we were, we're going to lose with that group. Right. And right. That and that group doesn't lose. lose. Yeah. And so, uh, the key there was coming back. Everyone wanted to come back and compete for that 2011. We knew we'd be good if, if whether Kyle was there or not. And when Kyle decided after the first day of tryouts that he was going to come home and be an Eagle that instantly made us a state tournament type team for sure right away again so let's go behind the scenes fast forward to that day when kyle decides to come back where where are you at in this whole process of him playing ushl or or coming back walk through all the sun the sunday night i got a phone call that that said that kyle decided he was going to stay and i was I was upset. So on Saturday, what, what about Saturday? Saturday, are you thinking, hey, he's coming back? And then he changed his yeah, mind I'm on Sunday? Yeah, I'm still thinking he's coming back. And then okay, great. get the call on Sunday that, you know, Kyle Kyle is um, looking at staying. You know, Don thinks it would be good for him. And, uh, and uh, Hartzell thinks it would be good for him. They want him to stay, which he was doing really well. And Kyle, you know, so I sent Don an email and it was very respectful in the fact that, you know, Nick Letty didn't go play junior hockey and he was able to step in as a freshman and be a dominant player. I thought Kyle could be the same kind of guy. And so I didn't get anything back, but uh, I talked to Kyle and Kyle was like, well, I'm going to try to talk one more time. And he, he, I got a call from his mom on Monday. And she said, if Kyle doesn't make it to the first trial, is it okay? Cause he's having a hard time. He wants to really weigh up this decision. And I'm like, you know, he can have as much time as he needs. And then he decided that day that he really wanted to stay and play with his friends and stay in Eden Prairie. And so I got a call Monday night that he would be coming on Tuesday and elation went through my body right away with knowing he was going to come back. I think the whole state had elation too, because it, you know, we kind of like Casey, you want those top players, Riley Tufty, you want to see him play their senior year. Correct. Talk about that. Lee. Like, do you use that story for some of your players, you know, later on, you know, maybe the Casey's and that type of thing that, you know, are good enough to leave and good enough to go to different spots. You talk about that with them. Well, I think, I think 
there's a couple of things. One, we got a good track record with kids that have stayed and have developed and done well after they played here. So I think there's a, a good sense of trust that way that they don't need to they don't need to hurry out because we play a good schedule. And it's every night we play could be the game of the night because we try to play good opponents. And then I think the fact that we have, I use Paul Ranheim is really a good, as far as he, you know, he played 15 years in the NHL and he didn't rush out of Edina. He stayed there and, and had a great, you know, high school career. And he can share the expertise of, taking it one step at a time and not jumping through it. A lot of times the guys are ready physically, but they're not ready mentally to make the next move. And so I think Paul's really good about explaining that area with the players that, you know, just enjoy where you're at, be the best at where you're at and don't worry about rushing on to the next level until it's, it's until it's that time. Well, that year was an interesting year. I mean, it, it wasn't uh, the easiest route to the state tournament. I mean, no double overtime, double overtime with Y Zeta. Yeah, Mario Lucia, Tony Cameronese, um, Klein was the other line mate. Andrew McIntyre and Nat. I mean, that was I, yeah, not they had a good team. easy season. I mean, that, it, it wasn't a, a thirty and O type team. I mean, it, you you speak to your tough schedule. Uh, I think sometimes your your regular season could be tougher than the state fine, st- state tournament. Well, I think there's a, you know, we do a good job of preparing and we learn through our losses of where our weaknesses are through the course of the year to make us better. And so, yeah, that was not an easy year. I think we all thought it would be even easier than it was, but there was a lot of teams that, you know, with the target on us that came at us pretty hard. And, uh, you know, I think the turning point that year was a, a loss to, Holy Angels at home where, you know, we didn't take advantage of our power plays and, and then they get the power play and they score and they win. And then we're like, Hey, we can't let this go on. We got to show up and play better. And uh, I think this year, a kind of our turning point was uh, the Blake game. Same thing where we were up three, one, uh, and they just they, kept coming, right? And they just kept coming at us, and they just destroyed us in the third period. And I think we learned our lesson of that game that we needed to play better and play 51 minutes because no one was going to be in awe of us, that's for sure. Yeah, that team, we don't want to talk too much about this year's team now because we got ways to go, but this year's team had a little bit of like... An, an Finding old, itself. Yeah, but the first half of the season, no one thought you could get beat. You you would lose. Edina was the turning point Yeah, Edina Holly tournament, when they played with you, everyone realized, hey, we can play with these guys. And then you had Christmas off and you come and played in the hockey for life and you looked a little bit... You know, Chaska played you tough. I mean, you had some really good games in that tournament. I think the rest of the state kind of figured out that you weren't untouchable. Kind of like this 11 team, right? Right. There's no question about it that, you know, people are going to give us their best effort. And, you know, and and, uh, and so, we, you know, we try to learn. Again, we just try to use our schedule to learn about our team and learn about our players and try to find the the guys that we feel like will give us the best chance to win down the stretch. All right. So 
winning the second. So now we got to just focus a little bit on this is. I go back, if there's a top 10, top 20 high school final championship games, this has got to be one of the best. If you yeah, know, if not the if not the best championship right. game, I mean that anyone's ever seen. I mean, this is again, this is this ranks right up there with the with the Duluth East Apple Valley game. I mean, it's in that kind of uh, lingo. Definitely, the last 25 years, this is top two or three games yeah. of all time, right? Uh, what's going through your head here? Um, they're leading. You know, they're leading in this game. Uh, they take the lead with about halfway through the third period, and a kid named David Rath scores with three minutes left in the game, and we're going to overtime. You know, there's a, this this game had to have been an emotional roller coaster for you. Well, the biggest thing I remember early in that game is for the first two periods, they all played us pretty bad. We were not pretty bad, but they were, we were playing their style of game. And after the second period, my, my biggest thing was if we play 17 minutes of our hockey is better than the first 34 minutes at the way they played and they couldn't stop us. And so, you know, but again, we had a good third period. Who we, who is on and, your staff? Who was on your staff on and that team 2011? Ole. That was Ole? that was when I was with Ole and Ranheim. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. And so, you know, obviously we, um, you know, we are. That game had so many emotions. There was a time when uh, they went in on a two-on-one on the blue line and I was getting down to go shake Mike's hand because I, I thought there was no way that they weren't going to, that this is an overtime. This is an overtime. Oh my goodness. And I'm, I'm going down to get off the bench to go shake Mike's hand. And somehow the puck doesn't go in and I quickly get back on the bench. Like, <laughs> like no one's you already gonna... had the red, the white flag in your pocket, right? You're ready to throw it, right? Right. right. Andrew yeah. Ford was so... a Frank Brismick candidate. Lee. Yes. Come on. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, it was, uh, Tenato and, and, uh, Randolph going in. So I didn't think that there was any chance of that missing and somehow it didn't go in. And then we, uh, you know, three overtimes later, Kyle found a way to, to score on his brother's rebounds. So the, the, you walk through that. I mean, what, what, you said something like they outplayed you. I found that to be one of the most physical games in high school hockey that I'd ever seen. I mean, they were just – Duluth East came out and, like, for lack of a better term, they announced to say punched you in the mouth. And they just took no it question, to you physically. No question about it. Um, and you could, you couldn't miss it. I mean, if you were from Mars, you would have figured it out, right? <laughs> Anybody would could have seen what was going on there. Um, right there. Um, you know, it was a will of games. I mean, we were speed and, and finesse and they were power and like you say, in your face and they were winning out for two periods, no question about it. And we found our game in the third and then, you know, when it gets into overtime, you just never know what's going to happen. You just, you just hope the kids continue to shoot the puck because you never know when you put the puck on the net in overtime because everyone's nervous, right? Yeah, I, I remember. So, 
I remember Jojo Janetta would the goalie, kick, right? The, for Duluthies would kick everything above the hash. That would start a breakout with like Mears Moore or somebody. That would then right. bring three over the blue line for yeah. Duluthies every single time. It, it felt like every breakout they had three going in. Three going in. And it was just an onslaught just kept coming of just system hockey. Right. It was cool. Um, okay, so we could spend a lot more time. We could do a whole show on the 2011 team. Um, now, the next year, again, talk about disappointments. Your team, you've gutted your entire team. Uh, 13, probably 14 seniors on that team from 2011, right? Yeah. And then you have a pretty good season that year at 2012, but you're a one or two seed and you lose to Armstrong. And I'll never forget that. I was like, wow, how did Eden Prairie defending state champ lost basically in the first round of the playoffs? Well, believe me, it's uh, the first round of games is always so difficult. And I remember um, talking to Willard Eichel and he would always say that that game always scared them the most because you just you got such a hungry team and you got seniors that don't want their careers to end and the thing going into the Armstrong game was I knew that they had an unbelievable goalie at that time and they they kind of had a rough year but if the game was going to be low scoring which we weren't a high scoring team that year you know you get a couple penalties or something and sure enough we take a penalty and they score on the power play and they get ahead. And then you, you know, then the, then the, then it gets even more nerve wracking on the bench and in the, in the locker room. And you can just feel the tension and the goalies making save after save. I believe he had, uh, in the sixties. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like, you know, those kind of games just are so demoralizing because of just to see that senior group lose at their own ring that way it's it's hard you know, your son Garrett hard. happened to your son Garrett too right I mean Chaska, not, right. at the Chaska game that's a tough way to lose right yeah and that one was a little bit different because Chaska and us was that was a four five matchup right right versus a two and, seven uh, right and you know um I had a ton of respect for that Chaska team. I'd seen them enough to know that we were going to have our hands full, but, you know, I didn't think they were going to beat us for sure. And, you know, I think the thing that the most epic there is their game winning goal. They're celebrating in the corner of my kids laying on the ice where, you know, they, they lost, and there he's in the picture. That was but not his senior year, but I was saying, I just that's year. all I remember is that picture. Someone I didn't even take it. Someone from our staff took a picture of them celebrating. Right. They were at that game. I looked down, I'm like, well, who's this guy laying on the ice? I looked down there, I'm like, oh, that's Garrett. That's on number the ice. ten. <laughs> right. No, that was Peter. Peter was. Yeah, at that Peter game. was at I was, that game. I was on that side of the rink. Yeah, I was like, wow, it's a. Re- it was a really good, you know, agony of defeat, you know. Thrill of victory picture. You get those every once in a while. So you go to state 14, 15, and now we get to the 16 state final. Um, you're playing a late conference team. Probably Wyzetta, third time you played them. Um, right. And Wyzetta was one of those teams that year that just got hot. 
right? They had a pretty easy road through section uh, yeah. section six because if that's ever lost. possible, yep. right? Because Benilde had lost. Um, walk through that game. What are your memories of that game? Well, uh, first of all, Pat does a good job of getting every ounce of energy out of his kids. So they play hard, and we knew it was another physical game. Uh, we, I think the whole game changed when we had a five-on-three that we yeah. didn't We're both holding up five-on-three before you even said five-on-three. It was like you just remember that epic exchange. Right. The five-on-three, and I believe Wyzetta gets a shorthanded goal right out of it. And just about every time you have a five-on-three and you don't score, for some reason you lose. It's almost and like a block punt in football, isn't it? Exactly right, or, or a kickoff return. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's one of those things that mentally it's demoralizing that you don't score. And for the other team, it gives them such a such an emotional burst and i think you know they had hank that was very physical and they were able to get him on the ice a lot of the times that casey was out there and we knew they had a good goalie yeah and alex Schilling. yeah yeah and so you know obviously a painful loss but you know it wasn't again it wasn't because we played bad it was you know Failing to execute, I think, on that 5-3 is the thing that will always stand out in that game. We didn't, when we didn't score there, that, that, that was the turning point of the game. I know it's the state semifinal loss, but still, you got to go back to that 2017 uh, loss to Grand Rapids. I mean, you had played them earlier in the season. Um, right. They won earlier in the season. EP had to have won that game. No, no? Rapids, Rapids won. won? Yeah. Really? At the, yeah. That, yeah. At the Classic? Yeah, they lost to Elk River. Of okay. the three, God. they lost to Elk That was River. the best year the Dyna Classic in years yes. because all the right. teams were in the top five in the state. Yeah. So it was it was just a, one of those – it was one of the good years. I mean, there's some good and some bad, but that was a really good year. Mm-hmm. Um, but Rapids just – for some reason, just had the had the it, you know. And when when what was the kid's name who scored? The, Which year? In the seventeen, the second liner that no one can remember oh, his name. Uh, Gosh, come on, Danny, spit it uh, out. So anyway, Jack Brunson. What's that? Was it Brunson? No, no, um, it was a bigger kid, like number sixteen. I want to say his name was. But anyway, so they get an unlikely hero in that game, and it was just one of those games that you guys remember. Jack Jensen in that game had like two or three golden opportunities to score and could not. It was just a bad puck luck game for you guys. What are your memories of that game, Lee? Yeah, I feel the same way. I think uh, Casey played a great game, and his line mates had lots of opportunities, and the goalie was stood on his head and played great. It was a really good pace to the game uh a turning point in that game was we were ahead and we were shorthanded and then we took another penalty to put rapids on a five on three and they scored which gave them the energy yeah and it made our bench go all crap and i think it was i think the momentum that they got out of the scoring on that five on three really helped them you know believing that they could beat us um i had a ton of respect for that team going into it i know they had a 
they had a rough February. They got cold. Yeah. And you know, and that's and they had a great year up to a certain point. They got cold, but they had enough talent to win it. And they found their game again, which is you know credit to their team and their coaching staff. But yeah, that was a hard loss just because of the fact that again we played it. We played a great game, and you know their goalie just. That's what makes hockey so great. Those goalies can, you know, steal games, and unfortunately, they stole that one from us. You know, if there's a team that that team, uh, the 17 Grand Rapids team, your team in 19 kind of reminds me of that team. You guys got hot at the end of the year. You know, you had some hot and cold teams parts of that 18-19 season, but you guys really had a great deal of momentum uh, coming into the state tournament when you beat Blaine in the semifinals. I was like, and then you literally, I mean, no one will even argue, Kurt couldn't argue, that you guys thoroughly outplayed Edina for two and a half periods of that state final. Yeah, we played a wonderful game. You know, the, the thing about that Edina team is they had so many good players that you couldn't allow them to get any momentum going. And obviously we didn't for the first two periods. And when they scored again, they get the goal right away the next shift and, you know, momentum's going their way. And, you know, I think that gave them the belief that, Hey, even though even Eden Prairie's given us a great game, we're still the better team here. And they were able to turn it around, but, you know, our team, our coaching staff, we had our kids ready to go that night and we gave it everything we had and just came up short. I still go back. That's one of your best coached games, your staff's best coached games. I thought I was, you know, I think the whole state was expecting Edina six, Eden Prairie two, nice plucky run for Eden Prairie. And that's a completely different script from that game that anybody expected. And that goes to yeah. you guys getting those guys ready. Well, I think our players really bought into what we were doing at the end of the year. And, you know, we went down to two centers with uh, Jensen and Rudrud, and then we had three lines of wingers. So we shortened our bench a little bit, and I think that really the guys all liked who they were playing with. They knew that they had a good center iceman every other shift, and and it, it just allowed us to really – focus in on playing good hockey as a group and we are so good defensively by the end of the year that where we hadn't been earlier in the year all right one more state final loss i mean sorry to bring all these up but you know these are some great games and people love hearing these stories about just what you what you were facing as a coach in these situations this year you get into the state final you had two really good games to to make your to punch your ticket to state and you had two good opponents uh and then you run into kind of the team that got hot uh hill murray got hot at the end of the year similar to the grand rapids team in 2017 Right. Well, the interesting thing was before the state tournament, we went through and we used uh, the ranking system or the, for the top 30 teams. And we want to get everybody's record versus the top 30 teams. And we thought that the tournament uh, should have been seated differently. We had Hill Murray higher than, you know, where they were seated. So we knew that they were going to be a really good team. Um, based off of how everyone did against the competition. Um, and so I think the Blake game 
took more out of us than I even anticipated, uh, you know, to win that game. Uh, you know, they were such a good team and, and that was such an epic battle. And we got through that game and, you know, we went home and, and we checked out of our hotel that morning and went home and rested like we did the Udina game because we had such good energy in that one. And for whatever reason, we just didn't have our legs and our mojo against Hill Murray. And I think credit to them, you know, and they, they score on their power play early to put us down and we have a power play that we don't score on. And, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, they get up two zero and then, and then, we're still thinking we're playing well. Their goalie's, you know, a tough guy. Keppel's a good goalie. It's not yeah. going to be easy to get. And then when they got the third one, it, you know, it really felt like it took the wind out of our sails. But, you know, we felt like when we got 3-1, we were playing really well. And we had momentum again. And our guys were believing. And then they got it to 4-1. And then, you know, then it's, it's over. pretty much over. Well, this show is not over, believe it or not. We've now talked, went through basically your youth career all the way to your coaching end. Now, but I want to make, I want to ask some more general fun questions before we get to our little Mount Rushmore draft of Eden Prairie superstars. I got some questions for you, just some quick hitters for you. Um, okay. One of the biggest things uh, this year, especially when you add a, a kid like Mason Langenbrunner uh, to your team, and um, what's the kid name's uh, Ben Steve? Ben Steve. Sorry, sorry, I got a lot of names in my head here um big criticism of lee smith is that eden prairie recruits uh i know this isn't true but that's not really my position as youth hockey I have to go out there and say you know dispel these myths and these stories walk through why it's so attractive for kids to come to eden prairie and that you're not really recruiting them well i think the the first thing that people need to understand is that there's no really way to recruit kids when um, when I get a call about Mason Lang and Brunner and they are looking to move down for their family, they're certainly not going to, you're not going to turn your back to a player that is that good. Right. But there's, but the, the way you go about it is, you know, you have your captains talk to them. And when you have middle stats and you have Drew Holt, you have Carter Batchelder talking to, to Mason Langenbrunner, I think he believes in the fact that those guys are good kids and want to win and that they have an opportunity to, and we have a good school system. We have a great schedule. We play in good tournaments. And so every night we show up at the rink, we have a chance to be maybe the game of the night based off of all the games that are being played in the state. And that's all kids but, want, right? Right. And I think we also have a very good track record of sending kids to play junior and college hockey and even some professionals. And so I think that our program kind of speaks for itself because of we got a really good community that believes in sports and we have um, a good school system and, you know, and, and we run a good hockey program and, and the kids are coached and they have fun and, and, you know, and Ben Steves, I got a, you know, a, a text from him that said, hey, do you have any ice? We would, I'm skating right now with Holy Family, but would like to come and skate your STP. And I'm like, 
you know, sure. do you, where do you live? And he, he's already living in Eden Prairie. He's, he's living in Bear Path because of the Graham family. Michael Graham's parents right. said, hey, when you move up to, when you move to Minnesota, you should look at Eden Prairie and Bear Path. Well, I didn't have to sell them on moving to Eden Prairie. Bear Path sold them on that. Right. And so then it came down to whether Ben wanted to go to Holy Family or Eden Prairie. And I think the bottom line is I really think that he liked the middle stats and and felt really good about that. I know he liked Holy Family, and I know that he wasn't even sure he was going to play high school hockey. He had the opportunity where he could have gone and played at Lincoln, but decided through meeting the kids that he would rather have stayed here and played. And so, you know, the, the hardest thing about having someone move in is that means somebody that lives in Eden Prairie or maybe played in the youth program doesn't make it. And no coach wants to do that to someone that's been here all the way through. You kind of cannibalize your youth program in some ways by doing that, don't you? Right. So you really got to be respectful. And these kids that are coming in, you know, have to be, first of all, they have to fit the culture of what our captain's like. And I asked my captains on both of the kids, what do you think of the kids? And they both love Ben and Mason as far as the kind of people they were not only, and, and, you know, knowing that they're good hockey players, but they're also really good people. Uh, no doubt about that. All right. So let's move another quick hitter here. Uh, you've been in the state tournament plenty of times here. What's your favorite thing about the state tournament? The fact that even though you live in a community where people are able to work hard and buy a lot of things that they want, that this is something that you can't buy. You gotta, you gotta be together as a group and you gotta do it together because there's no way that you can get to the state tournament without everybody in that locker room on the same page. All right. There's one thing about the state tournament that you would change. What would it, what would that be? You know, I think the whole ranking and and system, I think if you're gonna rank, you should rank one to eight. Nice. And make it and make it maybe even make it more transparent how everyone voted. I've been saying that for years. Sam. Yeah. I, I mean I you know, I just think that I don't know how the tournament you know, I know that Craig Perry does a good job of putting that tournament together and takes a lot of pride in that. Now he's, he's, he's finished and he did a great job for years, but I just think that that's something that when you get there, if you're going to rank, you might as well rank all eight and let, and, and just have it completely go by that instead of the first five and then the last three. And you're saying transparent, like publish it. Like Lee Smith said, this team is one and this team is two, right? I think that's why not. Right. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't really understand, you know, why, why it wouldn't, but I think, you know, that goes along with, with all the sports would have to do it. But even if they didn't allow our votes to be ranked, if they did it one to one, one to eight. eight and you throw, and you throw out your high and your low, so no one can really mess with the system. I like it. Then yeah. I think it would be interesting to see how it all panned out. I mean, you know, we, there was no way that Hill Murray was should have been the five seed. 
And I know that people were ticked that we got the third seed. And, and I was, I, I was, was one of them, Lee. I was one yeah, of them. I thought you I lost to Moorhead. Moorhead deserved to be higher. Right. Remember I you and I were texting about it. that. We texted Correct. about it. Correct. <laughs> so I was prepared from anywhere from, you know, maybe being the three seed to, to the, the five, five seed. Yeah. And, yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, I remember telling some of them like, oh, I think Lee thinks they're going to be four or five in the four or five game. So I knew you thought you got a good deal on it, on a good break on that one. I thought so too. But I mean, at the end of the day, you got to beat three good teams. Yeah. Right. Well, right. And, and the way Lakeville South was playing, I didn't necessarily want to play them. And uh, Maple Grove certainly is, is, was a formidable foe. And so I don't really think there was, there was no dog in the eight teams. There were all no, really good teams. I agree. Teams. I thought it was a really well-balanced tournament, that's for sure. All right, next question. Correct. It's Saturday. It's a, it's a, you got a late conference game, 7 o'clock on a Saturday night. What's your daily routine as a coach? We, everyone asks the player, what's the coach do in, 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 a, in, a, in a situation like that where you have that game that night? Well, I like to get up uh, 8, 9 o'clock and get a workout in to help burn some stress and then probably do something with my wife during the afternoon for a little while. And then I'll go scout a three o'clock game. Okay. Oh, I and like then it. rush back, rush back to try to get to our JV game by five fifteen to see the kids for sure. A home game. I'll be back to watch our games. And if it's a road game, usually we catch the bus at five fifteen. So I like to go watch it three o'clock game because it helps me kind of relax watching somebody else play yeah and when you say when you scout are you scouting late conference teams or are you scouting section opponents a little Mostly. bit of both okay just because of the the fact that your your record during the season matters so much about how you're ranked at the end uh, the the reason i ask is because actually the section games really matter Right, and you don't right. have any really teams in your conference that are in your section. That's why I asked how you decide. Right, right. I, you know, I think, I think the fact that all of our section, the the level of plays improved so much and so close. Like, I need to go see the the Shakopees of the world, the new Pregs, even though we might be favored. But when you play a game like the Armstrong, you lose that way. That'll teach you, you, right? You never, you never forget, right? And so you respect everybody. And you know, man, we barely got through the shock if you game this year. Yes, you did. It was <laughs> tough. And I'm telling you right now, that's a team that's going to be up and coming. They're a little bit like you guys were 25, 30 years ago. They got a good young coach and a lot of young right. kids and a nice facility. It's it's going to be a fun program to watch grow here in the next 10 years. All right. right. Uh, don't have a lot of time left. Uh, I want to respectful of your time. Uh, walk walk a young coach through how to deal with parents because it's way different today than it was in 1991, 1990 when you first started. Well, I think the whole key is you have to cut the communication as far as anything re regarding ice time, because once you get somebody in your ear, that's lobbying for their kid that plays on your mind in every decision you're making if they want to talk to you about school or other things, mental health, then I think you need to be all ears. But when it comes down to the coaching element, 
you have to have trust in your coaching staff and you have to believe in yourself and you have to do the things that way, make your decisions based on what's best for your, what's best for your program and not let the parents be involved in that. So we're not big on emails and texting. I know the one thing that, you know, the one message you used to get was, you know, please don't tell so-and-so I, I called you because they'd be upset. Well, again, they, we're trying to teach these kids to be men right. and trying to make good decisions. And so they need to advocate for themselves. And we try to have them come forward and do that and have an open door with the players, but not the parents. I always try to counsel my wife because we have three kids that are, play high school sports. Is our child's safety in jeopardy as a result of the coach? No. Okay, then we're not going to call call the coach. That was always if my child is not being is going to be harmed as a result of the coach's actions. That's the only time I want to step in. Right. Right. And you and you mentioned it bullying. You know, if you think your kid's getting bullied in the locker room, I think you got a right to call the coach. Like they're calling my kid a jackass or something. Yeah, you know? yeah that's where like, hey, coach, why are they calling him that? You know, or are you allowing this? Or are you encouraging that? I think that's the only time. But you mentioned you you hit it right on the head with playing time is not an a matter of discussion. Right. Right. All right. Have you ever been ejected as a coach? No. Nope. No ejections, no bench penalties. I, like you said, I'm soft. <laughs> <laughs> well, you leave that up to Ranheim, right? Does his, has he ever gotten a bench minor? Uh, he's been close. Close. Ward. Time. How, about Ger- time. how about Gertie? How about him? Has he ever gotten one? Nah, Gertie's pretty mellow back there, but <laughs> Paul is, Paul snaps. So you gotta, he gets into his NHL mode and you gotta, you gotta really watch out. He's, he is uh he's a tough dude boy, I'll tell you that. Yeah, you gotta pull the shoot on him every once in a while, right? You know, like the parachute right. just to get him up there. All right. Uh how about uh advice to younger coaches? If you had one little b- piece of advice for a guy who's who's like you or like a crop titch coaching J V, right? And they're right. you know, you backed Lee Smith in nineteen ninety three. What what advice would you give him? Develop your philosophy and stick with it. And then and then create create a good culture within the locker rooms so that the kids want to be there. It's, hockey should be the best hour to two hours of their day, and so you got to make them want to be around there so that they practice hard and they give it everything they got for you. All right, last one. Uh, before we get to our Mount Rushmore here, our, our little draft, uh, Let's give me the one coach that you coached against you got the most respect for. Just one. Well, it's probably got to be Tom Satterdown because of all that all that he did for me, and that was kind of the last team out of the big groups that we were able to beat. So that was kind of the big monumental win when we finally got a win over Jefferson. Now you got to check that nacho one on your belt, right? Like that's a big win. Right. Sure. All right. Let's do this now. Here's here's the draft. Okay. We you you know Eden Prairie better than anyone. Uh, Danny probably second best. I'm third best. <laughs> um, but we're gonna have a draft, and I'm gonna pick. Uh, Danny's gonna pick the names out of the hat, and we're gonna pick our top. You're gonna pick a Eden Prairie roster of the top four. Um, 
And Lee goes first. Oh, very fitting. I went second, and Danny gets to go third. He'll get a, a – it's like a snake draft, so he'll get to pick two picks uh, in a row. So you get to go first. You get to, Now, this is great. You get to pick the best player. Now, remember, you don't get to pick for like four more picks now, so pick wisely. Who are you going with? Oh boy! <laughs> you don't want the first pick, right? Because it makes you look bad, right? Oh, you didn't I'm, pick me, Coach. I'll, I'll, what about if I trade it? Oh, if I trade it for two seconds? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is your pick. This is your pick. All I'm right, gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take. Hey, I'll uh, do you a deal. I'll make Nick a deal. Oh, okay. Nick, All right, Nick that's Letty. a good one. All right. All right, I'll, I'll take you that one because that's who I would have picked. I'm going to go. Oh, Just say God. I'm going to say Casey. I got to do it. Sorry. Casey Middlestat. Luke Snuggerud for me. Luke Snuggerud? You get two picks now. Luke, Luke Snuggerud? Yeah, Luke was the best defenseman yep. I've seen in a while. Michael Gr- uh, Mason Oops. Mason Berg would be my other one. Just because Mason was such the team that year, and he, are you kidding me? I loved watching Mason Berg play. He he was he wasn't on a great team, but he showed perseverance the whole way through, and I really like watching him play. All right, I'm gonna go Kyle Rao. Now, Lee, it's your turn. I'm checking off these good players. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go Chad Rao. Ooh. I like that one. I was going to put him on the line. Uh, you get another pick now, Lee. Uh, I'll take Nick Lieberman. Wow. I like that one, too. Uh, I'm going to go um, Nick Sealer. Um, I gave you that one because you wanted Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I, I did before the show. I want, I want Sealer. Um, okay, so I'll say Michael Graham. Ooh. Like the that. Michael Graham fake slap shot was always the best. The round-the-circle fake slap shot. shot. Um, and then Dan Molinar. Ooh, I like that one. Good pick. Um, Gritty. I, I'm going to go. I, I said I'd take this guy to one of my all-time favorites, Nolan Sullivan. And now you Another get the last song. pick. Andrew Ford. Ooh. Oh, goalie. <laughs> goalie. Oh, that was fun. That was fun. Quick that little, was fun. <laughs> little end the, ended up pretty well. I think we all got nice teams. Uh, Lee, you have Letty, Chad Rao, Nick Lieberman, Andrew Ford. I have Nolan Sullivan, Nick Sealer, Kyle Rao, Casey Middlestat, and Danny's got Luke Snuggerud, Mason Berg, Michael Graham, and Dan Molinar. Yeah. Oh, that's a fun, fun little assignment. Those are good teams. <laughs> yeah, those are some good teams, absolutely. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I really appreciate your time, Lee. I, I appreciate how receptive you are to to us at at, uh, at Youth Hockey Hub, and uh, we really appreciate the time that you spend with us here and then and with our tournament at Hockey for Life. It's always a blast seeing you at the rink. Well, I, I want to tell you guys, you guys do so much for all hockey that it's an honor to be on your show. It's an honor to be around you guys through the course of the season. I appreciate all of your support and everything you do for Eden Prairie and, and just hockey in general. So thank you. We really appreciate it too. Lee Smith, high school hockey coach, not a famous reliever at Eden Prairie High School uh, here on the Lots of Matzah Pizza Podcast. <laughs>